Luke chapter number 6, and we do bless the name of the Lord every day of our lives as a Christian, and I pray that's the desire of your heart is to magnify the Lord in every area of your life, and uh, if you're visiting today or joining us, of course, we've been <clears throat> focusing on various aspects of the Christian life through this theme, Magnify, and today we, we need to come to understand that one day, according to the Bible, we will all stand before the Lord and we will give an account of the life that we have lived for the Lord. Uh, a lot of people don't think of it that way, but uh, there will be a time that we will stand before him and we will give an answer. Now, as we continue with this subject of magnifying stewardship today, we've looked at in past weeks stewarding and, and uh, stewarding our time and making sure we understand, just like even Brother Guy is with the Lord today. And so we, we, again, looked at the fact that life is a vapor. So stewarding our time, stewarding our talent. And we think about the, the abilities, the gifts, spiritual gifts that God gives to us. And God wants us to use those gifts that he's given to us to help to edify the body, to build up the church of God. Today we come to this matter of stewarding our treasure. I know it's not a popular topic because a lot of times when you say stewarding your treasure, people think that's what stewardship is only ever about, is about your money, but there's so many more things when it comes to stewardship. Uh, the fact is, is that when it comes to money and material possessions, too many of us are owned by the things that we own if you know what I mean there. If we'll be honest, we live our lives for the things that we have. We work all the hours to pay for the house that we live in, the fancy cars. We spend our lives making money to buy things that are going to get old, to buy things that are going to break down, things that need repair. And like slaves, we're going to serve an unrelenting master. The reality is, is that uh, we buy those things, and then we're going to have to spend money to either replace it or to repair it because it is broken. There, there's really a theme here that I've been trying to bring out the entire month of stewardship. If we're going to magnify the Lord, we've got to understand four simple words, and those words are, God owns it all. Let's, let's say that together. God owns it. God owns it all. The Bible says we came into this world with nothing, right? And when you think about the goodness of God, the Bible tells us that in Exodus chapter 19, for all the earth is mine. Deuteronomy 10, behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. Job said, whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, <clears throat> the world and they that dwell therein. Paul's trying to help not just Timothy, but all of us to understand as he wrote these words, we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I mean, you can back the hearse up to the, to the cemetery grave and you can put everything in that grave, but the truth is, is that's where it will remain. Only what's done for Christ will last. Whatever we send on ahead, that which is not temporal, but that which is eternal. And that's what we want to focus on 
this morning is understanding that while we are on this earth, God shows us how we should measure our treasure. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38, and notice there, whether in your outline or on the screen or in your Bible, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I read that verse, and I thought about what Amy Carmichael said years ago, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about that. You cannot love without giving. As we consider what she said in Luke 6, 80, uh, 38, I think about how the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. As we give, we should have a smile on our face and joy in our heart. Why? Because we get to be a part of stewarding our treasure, and we ought to do it in a fashion that pleases the Lord. Stewarding our treasure is something that, honestly, you think about that, it flows out of our love. God loved us. He commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The very nature of our God. We know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. God gave the greatest gift of all when he gave his son that we might have eternal life. And then while Jesus was on this earth, he modeled this in front of us as he spent time here. What did Jesus do? He gave his all. For others. The Bible says, no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. You see, the Bible says that we are enemies with God. We're sinners. But Jesus loved us so much that he gave his all for us. And I want you to consider that this morning as we think about stewarding our treasure, because it really is this matter of our heart to give, to give as God has given. And it begins with what I would call the test. Now, some of us can probably think back to when we were in school years ago. Don't mean to bring bad thoughts into your mind this morning, but I don't know anybody that really enjoys or loves taking tests. But even though we're way beyond our school days, many of us. The Christian life is one that we find ourselves being tested, sometimes even on a daily basis. The Gilliam family have found themselves in a test, a trial. The Bible says that when it comes even to our stewarding our treasure, that there is a test, and it begins there. If you look at Luke 6.38 again, look at the very first word, the Bible says, give. Let's say that together. Give. And notice there's a comma after that word. God says, give. This word is given to us in what is known as the imperative mood. If you know anything about that, that means that it is not a suggestion. It's actually something that is expected of us. 
Did you hear that, Christian? If God saved you, you know Him as your Savior. It is expected of us to give. Giving is like love. It's not optional. Jesus expects us to give. He mentioned this in the great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 6. Look at the Bible says in verse number 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, that is a reference to our giving, when thou doest thine alms, look at it, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. In other words, when they gave, they made a big deal out of it. They made sure that they made a bunch of noise, that everybody noticed what they did. But he says, when thou doest, he says, don't do like the hypocrites. He says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Notice, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. It's awesome when God blesses us. Folks, listen, we don't have to broadcast, we don't have to tell everybody what we're doing. What we do, just need to do is follow what the Lord has put on our hearts to do in this area of giving. Why? Because God is a giver. And God wants us, he expects us to give. And when you look at what Jesus said there in Matthew chapter number 6, and he's talking about doing thine alms, notice he didn't say, if ye give. Really, in those couple verses, twice, instead of saying if, he said when. Look at it again. Verse 2, therefore when thou doest thine alms. Later on, you see there, but when thou doest thine alms. See, it's an expectation of God in our lives to give to God, to give to the work of God. And the human nature within us, listen, we don't like to be told what to do, do we? <laughs> even when kids, and sometimes uh, we've, we've enjoyed having our grandkids, and it's funny how even little kids sometimes, when, when you tell them something, the other day my granddaughter I heard her in the kitchen in there, and I heard something rustling around, and I said, hey, what are you into? And my wife looked over, and she said, what's she getting? And I said, she's in the Oreos, double-stuffed Oreos. And I don't remember if it was one of us or maybe her mom said, no, get out of the Oreos. Oh, my goodness, you'd have thought you killed her. She did not like being told, by the way, I don't either, being told I can't have a double-stuffed Oreo. Can't you tell? But none of us like that. The human nature is we don't like, especially when it comes to our money. We don't like it when somebody tells us what we have to do with our treasure. One time there was a skeptic, and he said to the preacher, he said, I can't stand this Christianity business. He says, all I ever hear from you Christians is give, give, give. And he made this comment to the preacher, and the preacher heard him say that, and he thought for a minute, and he said, well, you know, he said, uh, that's about the best description of Christianity that I've ever heard. Give, give, give. Where do we learn that from? For God so loved the world that he gave. What a great idea for us 
to understand that God expects us to give, but many times the human nature is, I'm not going to. Listen to what the Old Testament prophet said in Malachi 3. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Did you hear what God says? He says, listen, prove me, put me to the test. Give and watch and see what I can do. God says, I can open up the windows of heaven. Remember, God owns it all. God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, so much so that you cannot even receive all of what God has. But what do we do? Human nature is we rob from God. God says, the test is give. And as we give, what do we do? Proverbs 3, honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Did you hear what the, the writer giving us some wisdom there in the book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs? He says, look, honor the Lord. Well, how do we do that? We honor the Lord with our substance. We honor the Lord with all our increase, the first fruits. Give God what is rightfully his. Look, folks, it's all his. But God says, honor me, and watch this. As we honor him, look at the promise, so shall thy barns be filled. You say, well, I don't have a barn. Well, put in there whatever you want. You know, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but I can tell you this, God will take care of you. God will provide for you. And our decision, listen to me this morning, Christian, our decision to give back to God reflects our reliance on Him as the source of all our blessings. It's that kind of faith, faith folks, that pleases the Lord. It's that kind of faith that enables us to see God's abundant blessings when He opens up the windows of heaven and pours us out a blessing. See, it takes faith to see what will happen when you and I take God, look here, at his word. Just trust God. What does he say to us? Give. That's the test. Give. Jesus told us to give. It is a test to see if we really do trust him. The Apostle Paul certainly in his life, when he spent on this earth and all that he did for the Lord, he understood this principle of giving and how it proves the sincerity of our love for the Lord. Notice as he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. What was Paul saying there as he wrote those words? He was saying that giving is a test of the sincerity of our love for the Lord. Look, it, it is not commanded because if it was commanded, it would not be from the heart. It would be out of duty. 
Sometimes the offering plates get passed and people open up their wallet, they open up their purse or their checkbook and they put something in, but it's not from their hearts, it's because people are watching, it's out of duty. God says, I want you to understand that this matter of giving, stewarding our treasure, it is expected to be the part of the life of every Christian. And God's standard for us in stewarding our treasure is one of generosity. His expectation is that we would give. It's a test. You know, you think about this test is whether or not you and I, through our giving, through our stewarding our treasure, whether or not we are connected to the Lord. I thought of a great way to illustrate this. I was reading the other day, I read this article about, uh, as, I was, as I was going through, and I don't know a lot about these. Some of you here this morning might know something about these little gizmos. This is a drone. Ask me how much I know about it. I can't really tell you a whole lot. This one's actually Brother Kenny, so I have to be careful that I don't break it because I don't want to buy it. But I know this, that oftentimes when you see people flying these, and most of the time it's not children flying these, it's big children flying these. And, uh, and so Brother Kenny's got one of these that his dad gave to him. And, and uh, I noticed that as these are being used, that you have, of course, the drone, and some of these are smaller, some are quite large. Uh, they're actually trying to make deliveries now. Uh, with packages and stuff, using these types of things. Kind of amazing world we live in right now. But one of the things I noticed that is probably the most important is not the drone, it's the person controlling the drone. The one that is actually with the controllers in their hands. And I was reading this article uh, this past week about this person that went outside in their backyard, and when they went outside, they saw something in the yard, they went over to it, and it was a drone in their yard, and they didn't own a drone. And they thought, well, that's kind of weird, and they picked it up, and they began to look at it, and there really wasn't a whole lot wrong with it. It was a little scuffed up, but it was laying in their yard, and they, they, of course, they had no idea who it belonged to, <clears throat> and they still had it. And it was funny, because they didn't know anything about it. Well, undoubtedly, the way the story goes is that this drone had, had gotten beyond the communication, got beyond the controls of the person operating it to where it just kind of flew out of the zone that it was supposed to be in and it, it somehow either crashed or just landed and the person had it in their yard. And I started to read up on that and, and again if I'm a little off on this you can correct me afterwards in private all right and so you can you can correct me but as I think about that I was thinking about how that as I would begin to read a lot of these drones some now have where they're preset, some you have to manually set, but they have what they call a home point, home point. And so what happens is, is that as you're flying these, it could be maybe a gust of wind, it could be that uh, trees or something uh, it gets it out of your line of sight, but it flies beyond the range of what the controller is able to do with it to where it loses control. But with these home points, what happens is, when it gets to that point, it's, it automatically starts to come back to home. comes back to the person that is controlling it. And I thought about our giving and how I know that our giving is, we're not, we're not drones, that's not necessarily the way we, we focus, but I, I was thinking about this matter of stewarding uh, for the Lord, stewarding our treasure, and sometimes we're like that drone 
that drone just kind of flies and flies and flies and it gets beyond that range and what does it do? It just starts doing its own thing. Sometimes that's the way we are when it comes to our finances. We just kind of do our own thing. And, and to prevent, just like that flown dry, dry, flyaway is we, like that drone, it needs a home point. We need to make sure that we have a home point, something that we can connect to, to come back to. And it's important for us to stay connected to the controller. As a Christian, we need to understand the importance of staying connected, as the Bible says, to the vine. And say, what are you talking about? Well, look there in your notes in John chapter 15, because look, God isn't controlling us as a robot, but notice what it says here in, in John 15, 4, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Without the controller, that drone can't do anything. Without God helping us, even in this matter of stewarding our treasures, we cannot do anything. But listen, if we allow God to help us, notice again what the Bible says, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. I want to have God's blessings in my life. Well, how do I do that? I need to make sure that I'm staying connected to Him. Even in this matter of stewarding my treasures, without that connection, what's going to happen? Well, listen, when the branch is not connected to the vine or the trunk of the tree, it's going to wither. It's going to die. What happens to that drone when it's not connected to the one that's controlling it? It will fly away and it'll crash. So in our lives, look, without God's control, we will just do our own thing until we, too, will crash. So what does God say to us? He says, look, you need to understand the test. The test is that you need to give. Now, look, watch this. If we take the test by faith and we give, then we will experience, secondly, the treasure. Because the Bible says, as you read on there in Luke 6, uh, uh, 6.38, notice, give and it shall be given unto you. Let me just put it this way. When we give, according to this verse, Jesus says that we will also receive. Is that not true? Look at it again. Give and it shall be given unto you. If you look at the rest of the verse, look at how it continues. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. Here, when you look at the rest of the verse, when we give, we don't simply get back what we give. We actually receive more than we give. Again, look at it. It says, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down. Shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. That's the principle of multiplication. See, as you think about this, Jesus said in Matthew 13, 8, Other fell into good ground, talking about the seed, and it brought forth fruit. Notice, some and hundredfold. Some of it brought forth sixtyfold and some thirtyfold. The, one of the great truths of of harvesting and planting is, is that you reap more than you sow. 
Uh, there's, there's one thing that over the years I've kind of gotten to where I like to do for, I did it for my kids, now I kind of do it for my grandkids, is they like popcorn. They like it when Poppy makes popcorn. And so uh, we have popcorn. Now, I know a lot of you are like looking at that like, uh, you make popcorn like that? Yeah, I don't buy those things that you take out of the wrapper and put it in the microwave and it's already in a bag and it pops and you take the bag out and you burn your hands. I don't do that. Now, if you do, that's fine. You're still saved. But this is the best way right here, okay? So what I do is I get out a pot. I said this in the early service and one of the ladies just gave me the strangest look when I said what I'm about to say. But I get out the popcorn and I get out the pot and then I get out the butter-flavored Crisco. That's where I lost her right there. I put the Crisco in the pot and I let it start to heat up until I can hear it kind of sizzling. And then I will drop probably about that many of these kernels into the bottom of the pot and then I put a lid on the pot. Now I learned a long time ago, you don't just put it on the stove and just let it sit there because if you do, it'll burn. So I do it the old fashioned way. Some of you remember, I shake it, I kind of do this back and forth on the burner. And I do that for a while, my, my grandkids are standing there like, what are you doing, Poppy? And I just kind of keep moving, and all of a sudden I'll hear, pop, one kernel will pop, and my grandkids, their eyes get real big, what was that? Because it'll fly up and hit the inside of the lid, and then all of a sudden another one, then another one, then it starts getting louder, then it starts more and more and more, and, and, and I'm, I'm like, just watch, just watch, this is the best part. And before long, the lid starts to rise off of the pot. And they're like, whoa. Because they remembered how few of these I put in the bottom of that pot. And as I put those in there, then what happened was we ended up with a whole bunch of popcorn. Now, if I put one or two of these kernels in there and we would get three pieces of popcorn, they'd look at me like, Poppy, that is not enough popcorn. You're going to have to make some more. But I'll, I'll put enough in there where that whole pot well, what is that? That's the principle of multiplication. Look at the verse again. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. When we give, God takes what we give and he multiplies it. When, when Jesus was on this earth and the Passover was near, the Bible says there in, matter of fact, go with me to John chapter number six real quick. Turn over to John chapter number 6. I want you to see there's one verse I gave you, but I want you to see the whole context here. But in John 6, in verse number 5, the Bible says, When Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and he saith unto Philip. Notice this question that he gives to Philip. He says, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, this question is asked. In other words, how in the world are we going to feed all these people and that's the question that comes to him. Now look at the very next verse. I love verse number 6 of John 6. Look at it. And this he said to prove him. For he himself, remember Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus said this to prove him for he himself knew, he knew what he would do. See, some of you right now, you're thinking, I don't know if I can give towards this roof. I don't know if I can give my tithe this week. I don't know if I can do this with my treasure. God says the test is give, but
But as you give, you're going to see the treasure. And God says, look, he already knows what he's going to do. God's already got the windows in heaven. They're already prepared. He just wants to open them up and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive it all. You see, a lot of us, we won't give. And so here's the natural thinking. Philip, look at verse number 7. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. You know what, what he was thinking? He was thinking humanly. I mean, boy, we don't have much. I mean, you know, even if, even if everybody just took a little bite, I mean, what is that? It's not going to fill anybody up. Nobody's going to be satisfied. But look at the next verse. One of his disciples, Andrew, I love Andrew. You know, the Bible even says right here, it was Simon Peter's brother. He was the one that went and got Simon Peter and says, hey, look, come see the Messiah, the one that we've been looking for, waiting for. And the Bible says that Andrew, Andrew, his brother, saith unto Jesus, look at verse 9. He says, there is a lad here, little boy, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they? This is the second time. But folks, look, I hope our faith is greater than these questions that the disciples are given to the Lord. I mean, what is 200 penny worth among so many and five, five, loaves and, 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 and five barley loaves and two small fishes? Well, what are they among so many? But look at verse number 10. Aren't you glad we have a great God? Jesus said, make the men to sit down. Now, there, were, there was much grass in the place so that the men sat down in number about how many? 5,000. Now, watch this. The Bible says they sat down and Jesus took the loaves. He took the little. And the Bible says when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Verse 12, when they were, what's that next word? Doesn't sound to me like everybody just got a little bitty morsel. Doesn't sound to me like everybody just got a little bit. See, the, there wasn't much, humanly speaking. And, and when we think of it that way, that's exactly what it is. It's not much. But the Bible says when you give it to God, Jesus took it. He was thankful for it. He was God. Anything in God's hands, he can multiply it. And the Bible says that they were filled. Look at verse number 12. And notice here, they, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments. Are you kidding me? They not only filled these people's bellies, but there's food left over. And the Bible says that they gathered up the fragments that remained, that there would be nothing lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that have eaten. Wow! Listen, God can take a little and God can do much with it. And that's what we need to understand this morning is that God wants to open those windows of heaven and God wants to pour out the blessings. God will bless you in ways that you and I, humanly speaking, cannot understand. And we see that when we obey the Lord, when we give, see, that's the test. You know what will happen? As we, by faith, give, we will experience the abundant blessings of God in our lives. See, it begins with the test. And as we give, then we see the treasure. God blesses. 
But look at this truth in the last part of Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, because the Bible says, for with the same measure, remember the title of the message this morning, measure your treasure. He says here, with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. When you look at that part of the verse, here's what it literally means. That you and I, when we measure, whatever measure we're measuring with, that we will, we will also be measured to us again. In other words, we get to decide the blessing. Now, uh, sometimes and we, when our grandkids were here, we like to make chocolate chip cookies. Anybody here like chocolate chip cookies? Anybody in here usually eat the cookie dough before you, the ch- cookies are made? That's generally what we like to do. And so my wife made a couple batches of the dough and she made cookies. Those cookies went so fast. And my wife had put the second batch in there in the refrigerator and, and every so often I'd just make my way out there. She didn't know it. And I would find my hand in that cookie dough. Now one thing about it is that when you follow the recipe, the recipe says that you're supposed to use like like a, a, a couple cups of chocolate chips. Whenever we make it, I always like to make sure that I act like the bag spills out of my hand and it fills the bowl with the chocolate chips. I mean, what good are chocolate chip cookies? A chocolate chip cookie without a chocolate chip is not a chocolate chip cookie, all right? And so, so here's the thing is, when, when you think about what God is saying here, he says, with the same measure that you meet. In other words, whatever you measure out, he says, that also will be measured to you again. Remember the story about Elisha and the widow and how she didn't have much and she was just going to take the little bit that she had. She was going to make a meal for her and her son and then she, they were just going to die. Remember that story? And, and Elisha the prophet comes and he says to her, he says, I want you to send your son. I want him to go out and find a bunch of vessels. And there was just a little bit of oil left in the cruise. And he says, he says once you get them, I want you to start to fill all those vessels with the oil. Remember the story? Now, let's pick it up. Look at the verse, a couple of verses here in your outline. The Bible says, So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her. So here, her boys had brought the vessels into her. She had the little bit of oil, and the Bible says she poured out, and it came to pass when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. In other words, son, I, 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 this one's full. All those I filled, go get me another one. And the Bible says, look at it, that after she said, bring me a vessel, his, her son said to her, there is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. In other words, no more oil. That was it. So as you consider this particular story here, God filled those vessels according to her faith. Can I just put it this way, and I don't think it's an unbiblical uh, view of this, but if her son would have brought her five jars, then according to this, there would have been five jars of oil. If her son would have brought her 50 jars, I believe there would have been 50 jars of oil. If her son would have brought her 500 jars, I believe with all my heart there would have been 500 jars of oil. See, God filled according to her faith. The blessing was tied to the faith of one being blessed. How's your faith today? 
Is your faith small or do you have great faith in a great God? The basic truth about sowing and reaping is this. The more you plant, the more you harvest. Again, if I'm just going to put a couple of kernels, then that's about all I'm going to get back is a couple pieces of popcorn. But the more you plant, the more you give, the more you're going to harvest. And again, the Bible says, with the same measure that you meet with all shall be measured to you again. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He which soweth sparingly, just a little bit here, a little bit there, notice, shall reap also sparingly. You sow a little, you get a little. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The Bible tells us that as stewards of all that we think we possess, the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where's your heart today? What's your treasure, God says? Are you stewarding what I've given to you? When I look at the story of, about how the, the Bible says there was a man that, that was abused and he fell among thieves and the Bible says that, that there were two religious men that saw him in need, and the Bible says they passed by on the other side. But along came a man who was a Samaritan. And we oftentimes affectionately call this story the Good Samaritan. What was it that made this man good? Now, we know the Bible says there's none good, no, not one. But the Bible tells us the story how he came to him, he helped him, he put the man on his own beast of burden. He, he took the man, he cared for him, he, he poured stuff in his wounds. Why did he have that attitude? When I think of this individual we call the Good Samaritans, I think the reason that we view him that way is because he understood that what was his was his. What he had, what he possessed, he had it because God had been good to him. And as a result of God's goodness, what did he want to do? He wanted to share it with others. He wanted to be a blessing with that that he had been blessed with. Folks, this is what we see when the Bible records in Acts 20, 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Listen to what he said. He said this, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. And this whole matter of stewarding our treasure. The Bible says with the same measure. Now, again, I, I, I hope I don't have to turn in my man card, but, uh, you know, I, listen, I, don't, I enjoy maybe, maybe baking and uh, making things, and I know some guys in here enjoy that, and some guys think that's kind of a woman's thing. But I like to eat, and sometimes my wife doesn't like to make things, so I make it because I like to eat. And, and so when I do that, time, time, I'll go over. Now, some people are pretty good at it. They don't measure anything. Uh, there's, there's a family sauce that we usually make for a few things, and sometimes when we make that, I don't, a lot of times we might measure to begin with, but I'll taste it, and I'm like, nope, needs more garlic. Nope, needs more salt, needs more oregano. And, and so I'll just kind of keep doing that until I get the taste People ask me sometimes, well, how much of this do you, I can't answer that, I can't answer how much I put in. Some of you ladies might remember, women used to bake, they called it bake by scratch. How many of you know what I'm talking about? About four hands go up. 
Anna Zeal, you know what it means to bake by scratch? I don't think so. All right, so, so here's the thing is, when you bake, a lot of times what you have is you have maybe, maybe measuring spoons. Maybe it's a, a teaspoon or maybe a quarter of a teaspoon or a tablespoon. Maybe sometimes it might be a measuring cup, it might be a quarter cup, it might be a one cup, it may be, maybe it might be something that's a quart or a pint or a gallon. Uh, it might, be, might even be something more than that. There's different measures, and the Bible says with the same measure, watch this, with the same measure that you meet with all, the same measure will be measured to you again. I don't know about you, but listen, I want God's blessings. Those that sow sparingly are going to reap sparingly. But those that sow bountifully will reap bountifully. You know what we do is we do this with God. We close our hands. We clench our fist. And we won't let go. But the test is give. And as we give, God blesses. And we see the treasure. But we need to understand the truth. And the truth is with the same measure that you measure up, it will be measured to you again. Do you know, listen, have you lived long enough to understand this principle that money can't buy everything? Have you figured that out yet? I mean, money can buy medicine, but it can't buy health. Money can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. Money can buy companionship, but it can't buy friends. Money can buy entertainment, but it can't buy happiness. Money can buy food, but it can't buy an appetite. Money can buy a bed, but it cannot buy sleep. Money can buy a crucifix, but it cannot buy a savior. Money can buy the good life, but it cannot buy eternal life. You see, we need to make sure that we're stewarding what God has given to us. And listen, God has blessed us with a treasure. Are you properly treasuring, measuring that treasure? Or let me ask you this this morning. Are you saved? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? You see, I've talked a lot about give, and it shall be given unto you. You see, eternal life is not something we have to do something for. The truth is, Jesus, God's Son, gave his life so that we could have eternal life. And the only thing you need to do to be saved today is to receive the gift of God. If you're sitting here this morning or you're listening, if this was your last day on this earth, are you 100% sure that you would open your eyes in the presence of God? Jesus said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And so, listen, this matter of stewardship, what's more important than stewardship for you if you're not saved is that you trust Christ as your Savior today. And you can do that by just simply asking the Lord to forgive you of the sin in your life. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, every one of us, myself included, we're all sinners. But the Bible says Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. 
And so if you're not saved, the most important decision you'll ever make is not about stewarding your treasure. It's about what will you do with Jesus. And so right now, where you sit, or if you're listening this morning by live stream, would you ask the Lord to forgive you of the sin in your life? Ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the promise of God. And if that's you this morning, we're going to give an invitation in just a moment. And I want to invite you maybe to come this morning and we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven based upon the promises of God. What about you, Christian? The disciples struggled. 200 penny worth, but what is, that's so little, Lord. There's a lad here with five loaves and two, two small fish, but what is that, Lord? Some of you have been challenged today. We need to put a new roof on the church. This is the, God, this is the Lord's house. Say, so I don't know how I can be a part of that. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Brother Kenny singing a song of invitation. Why don't you come this morning if you need to be saved? You need to come and spend some time with the Lord. Why don't you come at this time?